So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to dive into to Scripture today. So, Father God, um, Lord, we're just so grateful for the opportunity, you know, regardless of, of all of the things that didn't seem to go right today, but we know that you have a plan and everything, and your perfect plan is what we just need to focus on. That it's okay that we don't have certain items and issues are, are here, that's okay. We're, we're gonna, you're going to be glorified in this, God. And that's what I pray for, that your message will be heard. And it's, it's a message that uh, I think we can all apply to our lives today. And I just pray that the Spirit speaks through me and we bring honor and glory to you. Amen. Okay, so we're continuing our sermon series in Romans, uh, guys. We're in 14 today. So if you want to open up to Romans 14, we're going to start in that first chapter, 1 through 12. We're going to hit that chapter today. I know in the small groups, if, if you're in a small group, that it uh, you're, you're going to finish Romans 14, 1 through 12. But I'm going to I'm going to grasp the whole thing because I the way it flows, you have to capture that whole first chapter. I think when you're looking at it, you know, we started this sermon series back. I think it was March when we started, and we've been going. It's only 16 chapters in this book, but there's so much depth in this book and so many practical applications that we can pull from in today's church. In the first 11 chapters, Paul was kind of starting this framework of what the early church looked like. And he was dealing with two different groups of people, He's the Jews and the Gentiles and those early Christians. And man, it's definitely a lot brighter too. That's okay. Uh, so the, these Jews and uh, uh, Gentile early Christians, and so this first 11 chapters, he's doing that, framing that narrative. And then he pivots in chapter 12 to where now these are the practical pieces to that that we can apply. He was definitely dealing with certain issues in the church that they were having. And we can draw on that and learn from that um, because we have these issues in our church today. And today is no different what we're going to talk about. I, I was super excited to preach on this one. And Jonathan said he wished he got this one. Which, <laughs> That's okay. I, I, got it. So, um, I, I, I know today it's something that the church, that I personally, I struggle with. And that's how to handle people with different opinions inside the church and outside the church. What we are supposed to do with that. Paul's going to help us answer a question today. And that, that question is, should, is it okay for a Christian to do fill in the blank? Is it okay for a Christian to do you fill in the blank. You know, there are certain things Scripture is clear on that tells us these are okay to do and these are not okay to do. Scripture is crystal clear. There's no wiggle room in some of that. Is it okay for a Christian to murder somebody? No. If, I wouldn't say no, right? <laughs> if you feel that yes, maybe... It's okay, come talk to one of the pastors. They can get you to the proper authorities. Okay? But no, Scripture's very clear on that. Is it okay for a Christian to steal? No. Again, Scripture's really clear on that. Is it okay for a Christian to engage in any sexual morality and of any kind? No. Scripture's crystal clear on all of these things. These are what we call the essential or closed-handed issues. But then, what do we do with those open-handed issues? There's some of those, right, that, that is maybe there's a little gray area or Scripture is not as clear as that. So, um, for instance, you know, if we look at the doctrinal issues in the Bible, the deity of Christ, 
That's, there's no wiggle room for that. We know who that is, right? He is the son of the living God. In John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Not a God, but was God. So that there's no wiggle room in that, in the deity of Christ. Or, or what about the gospel of Jesus Christ? That our Lord and Savior went to a cross, died on a cross, and then three days later he defeated death. And we are saved through hope and trust and grace through him. Those, there's no wiggle room. We know that those are absolutely crystal clear in Scripture. But what about spiritual gifts? Here's one that uh, may not be so crystal clear to some. You know, is it okay to speak in tongues? These are some where people I know right here in this church think, yes, it's okay to do that. And then there's others that maybe fall on the other side that say, no, you know, that was for a specific time period, for a specific group of people, for a specific purpose. Differing opinions. How do we handle those things? Those are those open-handed issues. Bill Merritt and I, he's, he's here today, he didn't know I was going to do this, but we were in the same small group for a number of years. And him and I would kind of go back and forth, and we would have a wonderful discussion about <laughs> spiritual gifts. It was good. Here we go. Bad. Um, but it was, it was awesome because I learned a lot from him. I hope he learned some from me. Maybe not. But anyway, I did learn from him. <laughs> it was uh, thumbs up if you did. <laughs> um, it, was, it was good. It was a good way and a good dialogue for us to have. And learn from each other. Those are open-handed issues. Our salvation is not based on these items. But as Christians, how do we handle these differing opinions? That's what Paul's going to look at. Help us answer today. I want to do a little exercise here. I was debating on whether to do it. I'm really debating on whether to do it because the lights are up. And <laughs> but that's okay. It, it'll kind of help frame this topic, what we're going to talk about today. So I'm, I want a thumbs up. All right. If I ask this question and you feel it's okay for a Christian to do this, and a thumbs down if you think it's not okay. Now, oh dear. Now hold on. Right, yeah. So if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. Just keep your hands down to your side. All right. That's okay. There's none of this. Right. Okay. So is it okay okay for a Christian to dance? Okay, all right. We got pretty much everybody's thumbs up, right? I'm really just trying to find the boring Christians in here. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. It's not okay for this Christian to dance. You don't want to do that. Right? Okay, so is it okay for a Christian to wear flip-flops to church? Oh, shoot. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, I almost wore flip-flops up here today just to say where I stand on this issue. But, all right, so is it okay for, look, let's turn it up a little bit. Is it okay for a Christian to have tattoos? Depends. Yeah, can we put some caveats on that? All right. Okay. All right, so is it okay for a Christian to, um, uh, is it okay for a Christian to drink alcohol? None of these. I told you. <laughs> All right. Is it okay for a Christian to see a rated R movie or TVMA? 
So we definitely have some different opinions, husband and wives. We've got a few of these going. That'll be an interesting car ride home. Um, but anyway, so but what do we do with this? How do we handle this? These differing opinions, right? We have these opinions right here in our own church, let alone five miles down the road, guys, to another different church. How do we handle this? Do we go out in the parking lot and say, you're wrong and I'm right? Do we just fight and duke it out? Or is there a better way? And I think Paul is going to show us today. I know he's going to show us. But we have to listen. We have to hear. Uh, that there is a better way to handle different opinions. So I'm going to go ahead and read. Um, there's a lot of different scripture today. We're going to be bouncing around different places. Um, some of it's going to be on the slide. Some of it I'm just going to read from. So in chapter 14... I'm going to start at verse 1, and I'm going to read the whole thing, and then what we'll do is we'll break each verse down verse by verse to see what Paul's trying to say here. <clears throat> All right. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld if the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while the other esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself, to God. Alright, so here, looking at this, we see two different categories that Paul is addressing here. We see the weak brother, who ironically is the more religious brother. And then we also see the stronger brother. Who This brother is just trusting in God and living his best life, living his own life. But he's trusting in God. Um, we also see two different illustrations that Paul uses here. It's over diets and days. And we're going to pull some, some of those for practical application. Next week, Jonathan's going to preach on not being a stumbling block and how we deal with that. So we see right off the bat diets and days and, and what, he, what he's, Paul is talking about. So if we look here at verse 1 again... Should be on the slide. Um, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. Paul tells us right off the bat what to do with different opinions, right? He sets this narrative right off the bat. I mean, we could literally close the book, and that's it. That's what we do. We don't quarrel over opinions. With someone that has a different opinion, what do we do? We welcome them in. It's so much easier for us to surround ourselves with an echo chamber of like-minded people. 
that I'm just going to be around people that think like me and do like me and act like me. But Paul is saying that at times God will present you with people that think differently and act differently. And he tells us, he gives us instruction what to do. We welcome them in. Now is Paul saying to welcome them in for a bait and switch? Is he saying, you know, welcome them in, bring them in to dinner, and then what you're going to do is just to prove that you're right and they're wrong. That's not what he's telling us to do. That's not what he's saying is to welcome them in. He's saying welcome them in and to love them. If we read verse 1 and 2 again here, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. <clears throat> So, we have to welcome them in, guys. Uh, in, yeah, no. We have to welcome them in. That, that uh, first verse there about the weak person eats only vegetables, that's my memory verse for the day. All right? So, if you eat only vegetables, it's okay. I love you. I'm a carnivore. I like meat. But we're not going to quarrel over different opinions, right? That's okay. Um, if you have a question on that, you can send it to the pastors. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but we are to welcome people in. If someone thinks different than us, our goal is to love them. <clears throat> Jesus also, guys, he doesn't like when we take our own opinions and our own thoughts and place them above God's law. You can't do that. He doesn't like that. Matter of fact, he took issue with the Pharisees on that. If we look at Mark 7, 6 through 8, there'll be a slide for this one. What does he say? He says, and he said to them, well, did I, Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts, it's far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This is a serious issue issue something that we've all done in the past i've done this i struggle with this where i'll take my opinions and i'll place them on the same level of god's law and jesus said don't we can't do that so like i said earlier paul offers two offers two illustrations here guys about diets and days and we we just looked at um days so now, he, or diets, now he's going to look at something else. <clears throat> if we look at Romans 14, 2 through 3, one person believed, oh, I already covered that one. I'm sorry, did I already do that one? No. no okay, I did, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so we're going to read it again, Romans 14, 2 through 3. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. All right, so these Old Testament, the reason why this is so important, the diets, guys, is because the Old Testament law, these ceremonial laws, the early Jewish Christians subscribed to this still. They believed that it was really important to be different than the world, and we're called to be different than the world. They thought that this was a way to make them different, to make them stand out. If we look at what James says in chapter 1, to be different from the world, it says we are supposed to take care of widows and orphans and be unstained from the world. 
We are to be different. But if we look at what God did in reference to the diets here, it, Christ died and rose, and so we are under a new covenant. In 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 5, this will be on the slide. I told you it was going to be all over. <laughs> what he says here, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So the weak believer here is the one who is rejecting what God said that is good. They're doing this because in some small measure, they think it'll make them more holy and more righteous. But if we look at verse 3 again, back in Romans. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed them. Despise here. That word jumps off the page to me. Despise is literally translated as to count another opinion's worthless. Can you hear this dialogue going back and forth between the weak brother and the strong brother? The one saying that um, you're so you can eat whatever you think you can. You have to subscribe to these certain rules and these traditions. You're so caught up on the rules that you just don't get it. That you're big on religion and I'm big on relationships. That's one brother saying that. And then I don't even want to hear your opinion, he's saying. But then you look, what's coming next is the judgment and the condemnation. Here's the other one that says, you think you can do anything because, you're pro because you think you have free reign. You're probably going to go to hell, and God is going to judge you for that. This is the way we treat each other at times. It's either the judgment and the condemnation, or we say your opinion doesn't matter. God, what, is, what has happened here? What has God done? He's welcomed both of them in regardless of their opinions. He brings us in. If we look at verse 4 here in 14. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. We see that in the end, and we read it earlier, that in the end there is going to be a judgment. That God will judge. So the first four verses here, we see we're not to quarrel over opinions and we're supposed to welcome people in. And now, five through nine, we he's transitioning to where we need to be graciously convinced in honor of the Lord. So Romans five through nine, read that. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while the another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord of the dead and of the living. So this is that second illustration here. He's talking about days and different days and what Christian, what days Christians should celebrate. If we look at that verse fully convinced in your own mind, 
Who's right here? Which brother is right? The weaker brother or the stronger brother? The brother that observes these days or diets differently than the other one? Which one is fully convinced in his own mind? Who's right? In Colossians 2, 16, it, it talks about... Therefore, to let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. It's pretty clear. If you have a conviction of what you should eat and what day you should celebrate, you should be fully convinced in your own mind. I think a lot of what Christians do and a lot of what Christians believe is based on something that they have always done in the past. Or we went to church and we heard a sermon and we heard a pastor say something and we're like, I'm going to believe that. Or we're in a small group and we hear some guy say something and we say, oh, he's really smart. He knows scripture so well. I'm going to believe that. Is that being fully convinced in your own mind? We have to study scripture. We have to pray and we have to be led by the Holy Spirit in order to reach where we are fully convinced in our own mind. God does lay out what we should and shouldn't do. We said there are certain things there that we can say there's no wiggle room in, that God is crystal clear on these things, the deity of Christ. What, a wear, what about wearing flip-flops at church? There is some wiggle room there. Um, I think our traditions and our presuppositions are not the same as being fully convinced in our own mind. Christ calls us to be fully convinced, guys. So which brother, the weaker brother or the stronger brother, brings honor to God? The answer is both. Both of them are doing it. We have one brother saying we need to upheld certain days and certain diets and, and adhere to these things. But he's doing it being fully convinced in his own mind. And he's doing it to bring honor and glory to God. And then the other brother saying we do not long, we no longer need, we're not subject, subjected to the old covenant. And that brother is doing it in honor of the Lord and being fully convinced in his own mind. Any of our opinions and any of our positions need to come from a base of this first. That we have to be fully convinced in our own mind, letting the Holy Spirit talk to us and lead us there. Not just because it seems that this is a better way to live, guys. This needs to be our position as Christians. Not the way of the world. Not what the world, because the world tells us all the time what to do. Not the way of the world. But the way what Christ tells us to do. In verse 7 and 8, it says, For none of us, is, is us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then... Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. To live is to die to our old self. To do all things for Christ. That's where our motivation is. We are the Lord's. We were bought and paid with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. 
We are bought with a price. We are his, and we should live our life as a motivation to bring honor and glory to him. Not to ourselves, not to our own opinions. Be fully convinced in our own minds. So the third thing we see in this text is we are all going to give an account for our lives someday. In Romans 14, 10 through 12, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself. You see what he did there in the beginning? He addressed both of them. This is that parenting aspect, I think, that comes into play here. Have you ever started going over to one child and started saying, what you did is wrong? And then in the background, this other kid's over here doing this. And then what does he do? He pivots and turns and he says, I'm not done with you. He addresses both of them here. So... But what is he talking about judgment? We are not to pass judgment. I do think in, in, in Scripture, in Galatians in particular, it talks about Christians can't call out sin. I do think that. But there's a proper way to do it. But passing judgment is something else. That is something different. I am not a righteous judge. I cannot judge unbiasedly. And I fail all the time at doing this. There is a righteous judge that we serve all of us have to stand before Christ someday. Everybody. Nobody gets a pass on that one. We will all stand before Jesus and give account for our lives someday. We have to place our hope, trust in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 5.10... For we must all appear... For the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or whether evil. We all give an account for our own lives, guys. Look at what it says in Romans, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess of who Christ is. Here's the really sad thing. We spend so much time bickering over opinions and quarreling over things that don't matter. Amen. That there's people being lost. That it's going to be too late for some because we spend our focus and our time in quarreling over issues that don't really matter. Those close-handed issues that we can rally around as Christians, the deity of Jesus Christ, that's what matters. There's churches right down the road, guys, that we there's certain people we can't reach, but they can to our left and to our right, God has placed churches. And the church, the difference in churches, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. There's people that we are going to be able to reach that they can't reach. And that's okay. That's good. That's what God wants. We should be comfortable to sit down with people with different opinions from ourselves. And to have these conversations. Yes, they can be challenging. Yes, they can be difficult. Trust me. I... I I deal with that. <clears throat> Let us not spend time bickering and quarreling over opinions and fighting over those things. Let's fight for our community, for Jesus. <clears throat> if you want to spend energy in conflict, 
then you ought to spend it first on yourself. Take the log out of our own eyes. We should not fight, but we should love. Win them over to Christ. Show them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the gospel. So here, I think there's three helpful ways that we can deal with people with different opinions. If, if you want to write these down, this is the time to take a note. Um, <laughs> how do we talk to matters of different opinions? And not get offended, not get hurt, but to love, to welcome them in. The first one is love is always the goal. It has to start there. Love is always the goal. Romans 12, Jonathan talked about love last week, what that looks like, genuine, true Christian love. In John 13, he talks about how the world will know us, how we are supposed to be set apart and different from the world. How will he know, how will the world know that we are disciples of Christ? Disciples, I mean that word, disciples, we are disciples of Jesus. How do they know? They'll know us by the way we love. The second one is, look to win a friend and not an argument. Look to win a friend and not an argument. If we do that, if we look that, hey, I'm trying to win you over to Christ, or I'm trying to show you the faith, hope, and love that I have found in Jesus Christ, look to win a friend, not an argument. And the third one is, say less, listen more. James is really good. James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. But James is so good at, at putting this out there. What does he say? He says, be... Uh, Slow to anger, quick to listen, slow to talk. Last night we were having a discussion at my house, and I think I threw my kids for a loop because I'm, I'm preaching on this, and I'm like, okay, i got to be slow to anger, quick to listen. And they're like, Dad, why are you not saying anything? <laughs> I'm trying to follow what James says in the Bible, <laughs> um, which opened up good dialogue there. But we have to do that. We have to be slow to anger and quick to listen. God, it's the old adage, right? God gave us two ears and one mouth. Go with the ratio. <laughs> Can't go wrong. So love is the goal. Look to win a friend, not an argument. And listen more. And we'll learn from each other. And not bicker and not quarrel and not waste our time on things of this world that really don't matter. We can't place our own opinions above God's law. And the first law is what? To love. Greatest commandments. 